This is Phil Layton. Today we have on the show Desmond Wheatley, the CEO of Beam Global, a manufacturer of sustainable EV charging solutions. I'm excited for you to listen. Check it out. Hello, I have Desmond Wheatley with me. Um, Desmond, uh, you have been working in clean tech, renewable energy, and but also it looks like you have quite a very interesting storied uh, background. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about your background and what brought you to join Beam Global? You know, it's, it's funny, Phil, I, I suppose it's true to say that I've had a very varied professional uh, history, um, having been involved in energy, security, communications, the maritime sector, and a whole host of other things. Um, but oddly enough, when people mention that to me, my mind keeps going back to the fact that I actually don't feel that I've ever had a different job. Everything uh -huh. that I have done has always just been a matter of sort of identifying problems and then trying to figure out how to solve them and putting teams of people together who are always much cleverer than I am uh, to work out how to get us to the, the sort of promised land at the other, the other side of it. So in a way, all of these things that I've done in my past have, have prepared me for what I'm doing now. Um, and this is in many ways the perfect nexus of uh, all my experiences and certainly something that I enjoy 10 times more than anything I've ever done. Uh. So, so being global, uh, I actually, before we start, I saw you've been in the maritime sector. And uh, so I, I, I bet you you've had some interesting uh, background there. I think we have With, that in common, don't we, Phil? Yeah. I was an engineering duty officer, so uh, yes. in the Navy. And yeah, so well, you, you... I went to sea as a very young man. Um, actually, uh -huh. I was 16 years old when I went to sea. I, oh, I won't wow. say I've, I've been all over the world, but I've been over half of it. And uh, um, yes, no doubt, like you, had some very interesting experiences uh, while I was there. I've actually been shipwrecked a couple of times and um, oh, to, wow. just, you know, le learned lessons, which frankly, I, I often say to people, if I could hire people who have been in trouble at sea a thousand miles from land, then I would always choose them first because it teaches you something about figuring things out and not expecting others to solve problems for you. Wow. And and so, tell us a little bit about Beam Global. What are you What are you doing now? So, what does Beam Global do? I, I, honestly, and, and I, I suppose I should say this because uh, all CEOs of companies should be afflicted with the same sickness, which is that yeah. they think that their company is the most interesting and exciting thing around. And I genuinely do. I mean, the, the simple fact of the matter is, we are targeting a massive opportunity we're targeting a massive problem and we've invented and patented and we manufacture uh, products which are solving for that opportunity and those problems in a way which nobody else is at the moment and but essentially what we're doing I and mean, if you look at our tagline clean mobility for all uh, our general philosophy is that mobility is good for humanity when people move around they learn more they they they, they, they do more business uh, they interact more uh, we're social animals we like to move around but the problem is that historically moving around has been extractive and destructive right starting in the steam age in particular mm -hmm. uh, be burning a lot of coal and uh, that sort of thing and then of course moving through the oil age where everything that we've done from a transportation point of view has been both extractive and destructive so here's the fantastic 
fantastic news. We now have the technology. Beam Global actually develops the products which allow people to move around with zero harm uh, to the environment. The driving on sunshine experience delivered by our products is enabling people across the United States and in, in, indeed internationally to have that sort of democracy of movement, democracy of opportunity, but without doing anything which is destructive or, or extractive. And if you think about the future that that can enable, the cost savings, the uh, geopolitical improvements, the environmental improvements, if you care about them, and I do, uh, all of these things rolled up into one set of products. It's pretty hard to find anything that offers such a massive opportunity to, to change the world um, and have it right at our fingertips. And we're, we're producing it right here in San Diego. Yeah, the electrification of transportation sector is a really an exciting opportunity because you get a lot of efficiencies from going to an electric drive compared to a fossil fuel drive. And then the, the challenge is, is your electricity solar? So that's an interesting aspect. So how do you guarantee that when you charge a car, you have, or charge whatever, a, a plane or a truck, how are you doing that? And as you know, we just set the world record for the longest ever flight in a production electric aircraft powered by nothing but mm -hmm. clean renewable electricity with our products up and down this fine state of California. But you're absolutely right. Look, uh, the, in fact, transportation and the generation of electricity combined produce about 70% of this country's greenhouse gas emissions. And that's a global, uh, 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 and that number works pretty well globally, except in a few places. Some places it's worse. Uh, so 70% of the, the harmful emissions and pollutants uh, which are being produced by the United States, they're coming from transportation and the generation of electricity. Our products wipe out both sources. So every time somebody uses our one of our products, they're essentially reducing by 70% the contribution of greenhouse gas emissions, the harmful gases uh, that, that, are, that are going into society. Now, you don't have to believe in global warming. You don't have to be a tree hugger. Look at the statistics from the World Health Organization. Over 7 million a year dying from airborne pollutants. Uh, that's a holocaust a year, Phil, from uh, uh, airborne pollutants. Our products are wiping out those sources. And the way you know that your vehicle is running truly emissions-free, and not just tailpipe emissions-free, which is an electric vehicle running on grid-powered electricity, which is still about 70% carbon-based, much better than oil and gas, don't get me wrong, but still right. uh, contributing pollutants. But the way you know that your vehicle is truly emissions-free when it's running on one of our products is because you can see it. When you arrive at our product, you're going to be arriving at a, a product which is placed in a, a parking space, fits inside a parking space, doesn't reduce available parking in any way because the vehicle parks on it. Above you, there is a tracking solar array. It's following the sun as it moves across the sky. It's converting sunlight into electricity. It's storing that electricity so that we can charge day or night and during periods of inclement weather. Uh, and then it's putting that electricity directly into your electric vehicle. So when you drive away, you are driving on sunshine. Uh, there is no other contribution. There's not even any construction on site. So we don't have the construction, the environmental impact of construction, digging trenches, pouring concrete and all these other things because everything's produced in a factory, Henry Ford style, um, and then delivered uh, in a very low impact way to the site. And then it just delivers uh, hundreds, thousands, hundreds of thousands of clean, green driving miles. Uh, and it's as fun as heck, frankly. Mm -hmm. So you're, you're combining solar and storage Yes. So you, you have on site uh, lithium or lithium ion phosphate or uh, some type of battery storage. Do you right. have a limitation on your capacity? If everybody says, wow, this is fantastic, 
how do you handle uh, that? You know, that all of a sudden you've uh, become overly successful. Do you have concepts behind that or? Yes. So, so, uh, and the good news is, by the way, that everyone does say, wow, this is fantastic. It's amazing mm -hmm. the response, the reaction that we get from people, particularly those people who have gone through the, the process of deploying grid tied EV charting, that have dug the trenches and poured the concrete and have gone through the months and sometimes years of, of planning and permitting and everything else. Uh, wow, this is fantastic is what we hear a lot because when we deliver the, our products, you're quite right, they generate their own electricity, they store their electricity in battery storage, and they make that electricity available. There's no on site work or anything else and so when we drop them off quite often in the middle of the night like mushrooms yeah. popping up in the middle of the night if you like customer comes in the next day and we get the phone call hey it's here what do we do now and our response is i don't charge a car i suppose that's why you bought it they're they're so ingrained into thinking there's going to be some complex commissioning process or something but they're they're ready to operate in the minute we we drop these things off so to your question about about how we avoid becoming victims of our own success um that's a very interesting and serious question for any growing company any rapidly growing company uh, you know, we fortunately, uh, we I took the risk um, and uh, invested heavily in infrastructure that would allow for a lot of growth. And, you know, we're a publicly traded company. I come in for some flack from Wall Street for that because I've obviously invested way in advance of the of the demand. We've been doing this for 10 years, by the way, which makes us gray hairs in this industry. Um, but the fact of the matter is we have a facility here in San Diego uh, that still has about 20x growth uh, uh, opportunity in it. And I'll tell you this, we're going to fill it up. And then we're going to have to open 10 or 15 more of these factories in the U.S. alone. And we're not called Beam Global by accident. You'll notice we're not Beam California or Beam San Diego. We're Beam Global because our products work anywhere in the world. And you will see us expand to Europe and you'll see us expand to Asia, too, if I have my way. That's fantastic. So here's one of the things I think is probably an interest for you, too. We have cars, electric cars are moving along, but I think, you know, trucks and buses, some of the biggest polluters, and then you move into maritime and aviation. Yep. So maritime has an interesting opportunity there. Do you, what do you see between maritime and aviation for moving to renewable electric vehicle uh, type market? To start with your point about buses and trucks and everything else, you're yeah. absolutely right about that as well. And we are already deploying products, larger products across California to charge full-size electric buses, 40-foot mm -hmm. passenger buses, and they'll also yeah. charge all the way up to Class 8 vehicles as well. So I'll start out by saying this. Uh, all of terrestrial transportation is going to electrify. There is mm -hmm. no question in my mind about that at all. It's just a matter of when not if if is long since since past us and then i'll go one step further and i'll tell you all of transportation is going to mm -hmm. electrify um and so there are going to be people who are listening to this saying this is nonsense there's no way you're going to get airplanes to be electric and that sort of thing in the future and uh, the, the the answer is that human beings are always saying this this is nonsense about stuff that will happen in the future until it happens as it inevitably does so we have already proved that you can fly an aircraft over long distances using nothing but renewable energy we just set that world record a couple of weeks ago yes it's a small aircraft it's certainly not a 737 you're not going to have you know uh, flight attendants wandering up and down the aisle offering you peanuts and and, and beer yet on this thing but the, as with all technology advances we will see improvements in energy density and batteries we'll see reduction in weight we'll see reduction in all the other components we've seen it just incredibly over the last decade the advances that have been made and eventually you're going to get to a point where we have sufficient energy density and sufficient lightness in the material technology that's coming out here where even aviation will go maritime is a is a, there, there's all sorts of 
some wonderful opportunities where maritime is concerned because of course when you're out at sea and you'll know this uh, you are constantly being impacted by nature's energy uh, in fact we spend a good deal of time trying to get away from it <laughs> uh, <right? laughs> um, well, the wonderful thing about that is when you're surrounded by these latent sources of energy, then it's up to technology to figure out how to convert those. And we will certainly see that happening. And again, you'll see the electrification of maritime as well. There is definitely a very clean and green future where transportation is concerned. I have no worry about that. If I have any worries at all, it's about whether or not we'll do it quickly enough. Yes, I think that's the issue. Uh, but the interesting thing is making a commercial solution. And I think that's the same thing we're doing. We're developing an ultralight, durable solar PV that would complement what you're working on, and especially aviation. You can wrap it around uh, cars, vehicles, planes. But I think the interesting thing is making it not necessarily only a political or social solution. It's the best solution that people are going to uh, decide to do, whether whatever their uh their belief is on global climate change and i think that's what interesting yeah what you're what you're working on this idea of being able to turn basically any surface into a generating mm -hmm. surface right Bu building integrated right. photovoltaics for example exactly um, if this 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 is another certainty in my mind. It's not, again, not a question of, of if, it's a question only of when. It's an absolute certainty. And so what's gonna happen is uh, we're gonna see more and more generation local to load uh, yeah. with technologies like yours and, our, uh, and ours and others out there. And that's going to certainly improve things uh, very dramatically down the road. But you're absolutely right. This needs to be commercially viable. And as I say all the time, particularly about the electrification of transportation, I believe that although there are very stringent government tailwinds pushing this forward, for goodness sakes, all of Europe is banning the uh, sale of internal combustion engine vehicles by 2040. Starting right. just a couple of years from now in Norway in 2025, 2030 in the UK where I'm from, you will not be able to buy gas or diesel vehicle you're only going to be able to buy electric hydrogen will not be a player uh, we're certainly not where consumer vehicles are concerned at all so there's a lot of government tailwinds but here's the really good news this will like all revolutions be consumer driven look yeah. at what's happening right now just yesterday i was up at long beach and i was looking at the ford f-150 lightning now mm -hmm. ford is going to do something that no one else has ever done twice in its history the first time was when the model t changed cars from being projects and something of the evolving the elitists and and, a, and each hand crafted and, a, and you know artisanal right. project to being a factory produced thing they, they changed transportation once now they're going to do it again the f-150 is the most popular vehicle in the united states the top selling pickup truck for 42 years in a row and when the lightning comes out next year it will be able to do everything that the gasoline and diesel uh, uh, pickup trucks can do except it will accelerate to from not to 60 in four seconds it will never need to go to a gas station and it will require right. almost no maintenance it is impossible for me to imagine consumers going to a dealership and saying, no, thank you. I'd rather have the slower, more problem prone one that has to go to the gas station every weekend and that vibrates and makes heat and everything like that over this spaceship gadget thing you're offering me for the same price. The consumer will drive this revolution and people like you and me will do everything that we can to keep up with their demands because consumers are notoriously impatient. Right. And I think the other thing is, is the maintenance there, the, the interesting thing is when you look at the long-term cost of a vehicle, any type, you have bus, trucks, then uh, the difficulty is letting everybody realize they're making an investment. You're making an investment so that I don't have to do all the maintenance on my truck 
car, vehicle. I, my, you know, I'm getting all the convenience of it, the performance. And so as people get used to that concept, I think more and more people are going to jump on board. So there's many different aspects. It's not just it's easier to use, it's cooler to use, but it's also cheaper, less of a hindrance. So it's an interesting thing that bringing everybody else along to say, hey, I'll try this now. So you're, you're, you're absolutely right. Like we're t I think we're talking about total cost of ownership here, yeah. which is something that unfortunately consumers are notoriously bad at working out, right? Fleet operators are some of the easiest people for us to talk to because they understand TCO better than anybody else does. But I've been saying for many years that this whole idea that electric vehicles is too expensive is utter bunkum. I've been driving electric ve vehicle for 10 years now. And the simple fact of the matter is, here's some good statistics for you. The average American spends $5,000 a year on gasoline and maintenance for their internal combustion engine vehicle, okay? Now, in an electric vehicle, especially when you're using products like ours where there's no unit cost for the energy, right? I mean, I right. advertise the equipment, yes, but there's no unit cost for the energy there at all. So basically, I drive on Sunshine for free and have been doing so for 10 years. That $5,000 a year that I'm no longer spending, and I used to spend a good deal more because I drove expensive German cars, and it's like every time I went down there, you know, it's like thousands of dollars to do right. you know, what seemed like nothing to me. For me, these electric vehicles now, is the sticker price a little bit higher today? Yes, it won't be by 2025. It's a little bit higher today. But at $5,000 a year, it doesn't take long to soak up that delta. And in fact, what happens is, let's say a comparably equipped internal combustion engine vehicles, 5000 even $10,000 cheaper. By year two, you've recaptured that. Thereafter, you're printing five grand a year right. by driving an electric vehicle. And by the way, having a far superior experience uh, doing it as well. But here's what also... I think is very interesting about this. Electric vehicles are, for the first time in automotive history, just gadgets on wheels, right? And cars have never been gadgets yeah. before, but electric vehicles are gadgets on wheels. And we all know about the consumer love affair with gadgets. There is nothing that can stop consumers going towards gadgets. Remember when Steve Jobs said, hey, Phones shouldn't be cheaper and smaller. They should be bigger and more expensive. And look how that revolutionized the world. Everyone told him he was crazy. No one will do this. They want smaller, cheaper phones. We're trying to make phones cheaper all the time. No, no, no. Make them bigger and more expensive. Change the entire yeah. world. Consumers love gadgets. Uh, I, I spent some time in Africa as a young man. And I can tell you, I'll give you a really interesting story, which will just illustrate this. I have been into places where people are living under grass roofs, mud walls, an open fire cooking in the center of that place, the place full of smoke and everything else like that, but the blue light of a television emanating from the corner. Yeah. Think about that for a second. Those people selected the gadget television over a stove or a refrigerator. That tells you everything right. that you need to know about consumers' love affair with gadgets. Electric vehicles are just the biggest and best gadgets you'll ever own. We're going to see an absolute avalanche in movement towards them. Government plans will fade into insignificance when the consumer gets old. So I think what's really interesting is that the infrastructure for a gasoline station is substantial. You have it, but in the middle of nowhere, you have sunlight all over the place. You can now put charging wherever in on, on the planet. So you can power these electric vehicles now in any country. I think that's, you know, besides being a platform, it expands where uh, you can put transportation. You raised several very interesting points there. Um, now, first of all, think about the way this has been in the past from a consumer's point of view. Okay, Fueling was something, it was a habit that many aspects of it were forced upon you. You yeah. had to go somewhere special. You had to wait around. 
you had to uh, commit funds as a transaction took place through a, through a pump as it dispensed uh, units of energy to you. We've become so used to this that we even that we don't view this as inconvenient. But I can tell you something: as an electric vehicle driver who actually now fuels where I want to be. Not where someone else wants me to go. Not some horrible environment like a gas station. Right. I just feel where I was already going. In, in fact, Phil, I can tell you right now, my vehicle's fueling while I'm talking to you. Uh, it's, it's down in the parking lot on one of our products, uh, filling up with fuel right now. Think about how that changes the consumer experience. I no longer have to get forced to go somewhere to do something I don't want to do. Now my yeah. vehicle's always full because it's always fueled up, because it's fueling while I'm doing something else uh, and it's using renewable energy. We don't even need sunlight. We just need to be able to see the sky because the technology is such today that even on a cloudy day, in the same way that you can get a sunburn on an overcast day, we can convert a significant amount of that light energy, even the non-visible spectrum, into electricity. And you know this stuff, right? So yes, we're going to not just revolutionize the technology, but we're also going to revolutionize the fueling experience and even the fueling transaction itself. Fueling in the future will in many cases be very low cost or even free because in some ways it's like ketchup in a steak restaurant. There's plenty of steak to sell. Let's not build people for catch up because it stops them coming in. Yeah. And I think one of the other interesting markets, I, I also have an electric vehicle and I, after I got it, it's just like, I won't, I don't want to go back because it's just like bring my car oh, into the parking. Yeah. Wherever I am, I don't have to go out of my way to charge up. It's either in my house, it's uh, at my business or I'm going to a mall. Now, one of the challenges is that, you know, you live in an apartment or someplace you don't have a garage, that's what's kind of holding a lot of people back. So it's interesting having more of the charging stations where you're actually going, your business, where you're shopping, is, or whatever venue you're going to, is an actually an interesting way to enable the electric vehicle. Mark. You know, the, 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 the Department of Energy is rather unhelpfully constantly publishing this number that eight out of 10 EV drivers charge at home. And of course, this is a nonsense statistics because it's talking about the early adopters, people like me and you, affluent, single family residents, garage we can fit a car into, sufficient circuit to charge a car and all that sort of stuff. But, but this idea that you need to charge at home is such a silly thing to talk about. No one has a gas station at home. Somehow people have become used to fueling their vehicles without doing it at home. And the great thing about owning a vehicle is, by virtue of owning a vehicle, except in a few rather amusing cases, it's because you go somewhere, okay? And when you go somewhere, we're gonna get you and we're gonna fuel you up. When you go to the store, when you go to school, when you go to the park, when you go to the library, when you go to lunch, when you go to the cinema, we're gonna get you and fuel you up. Here's what's good to know about this. 30.4 miles per day is the average number of miles drive by a US sedan. 30.4 miles per day. We all like to think of ourselves in Canastoga wagons forging across the West and all that driving vast distances. But the truth right. of the matter is 30.4 miles a day. Eight out of 10 commuters require less than 24 miles for their round trip. Now, even on a relatively slow version, of our product, give us an hour and a half, and we've returned your full DRR, or daily range replenishment. So if you go to lunch in a meeting, or if you go to the office, or if you go to the, drop the kids off and meet with the teacher, or if you go to the park or something, in every instance, we're gonna get you and give you your full daily range replenishment. Forget range anxiety, your vehicle will be full all the time not empty and you're worried about when the next gas station is. So you, this idea of charging at home, it's not necessary. The apartment dwellers, they, today they have trouble because we don't have the ubiquitous infrastructure that we need, but we're working hard to change that and it's going to change. And when it does, they'll just charge where they were ever, wherever they were going. Gas stations are a thing of the past 
and replacing them with these sort of hyper fast charging environments, just like a gas station. That's just a concession to 100 year old behavior. Uh, totally unnecessary. You'll fuel your EV like you fuel your cell phone while you're doing something else and without it disrupting your life. Right. Yeah, that's and that's exactly what we're looking at, too. You know, wrapping your vehicle, you won't have the 200 miles, but you're going to get you a little bit farther on your commute, just getting part of the way. And I think the combination of having more uh, uh, charging stations and having your vehicle be able to charge part of it will bring you to what you need for your daily commute or whatever you're trying to do in your lifetime. No, no. And, then, and for the longer distance to travel, this is where the gas station experience makes sense. And we mm -hmm. do this as well. We do DC fast charging uh, for Caltrans, for example, and rest areas yeah. in California. You can pull in, you plug in, and it's going to charge your vehicle very quickly. That's totally appropriate for that type of corridor, long distance road trip type driving. Okay, But the great majority of all driving that's done is in within that 30.4 miles a day. Again, that's not my number. That's the Department of Transportation statistic. Right. We know what it is. We can solve that problem without you having to go anywhere like a gas station ever again. Yeah. Well, it's been fantastic. Thank you for uh, for talking with me. It's one of my other, my passions is actually the electrification of transportation. So uh, this has uh, been a really great experience. We're out of time, but uh, thank you for coming on the show. it be my great pleasure. Great, talk, great to talk to you, Bill. Wonderful questions. Thanks for having me. Thanks. This is Phil Lynn. We had on the show today, Desmond Wheatley. We talked about how renewable energy can move us to cleanly electrified transportation using commercial solutions. If you have more questions, see us at pienergy.com. Thank you for listening.